0: Support for WERU comes from the Abbey Museum, Maine's first Smithsonian affiliate, founded in 1928 at Cire de Spring in Acadia National Park, and open year-round in downtown Bar Harbor with two locations and one mission, to inspire new learning about the Wabanaki Nations with every visit. More information at abbeymuseum.org.
1: It's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Wabanaki Windows with your host, Anna Loring, is up next.
2: Welcome to Webenaki Windows. I'm your host, Donna Loring. Webenaki Windows is a monthly show featuring Webenaki perspectives, topics, and opinions, as well as interviews with Native artists, writers, and people of interest. Uh, Today on our show, we'll be discussing the uh, mascot issue and uh, the most recent uh, events in Wells and in Skowhegan. Uh, My guests today to discuss uh, the topic is uh, Dr. Darren Ranko, who is director of the Webinaki Center, University of Maine, Orono. We have uh, Dr. Maureen Smith, who's a retired professor at the Native Studies uh, at the University of Maine, Orono. And we have the Penobscot Nation uh, ambassador, uh, Molly and Dana. So, welcome to the show. Uh, The first thing I want to do is we're going to talk about um, mascots because a lot of times, and I'm sure that I know that this topic has really been worked over and over again, but uh, sometimes you just have to keep on point, and this is one of those times. So uh, I'm going to go to... uh, uh, I'm going to go to... Darren, first, okay. and we're going to talk about uh, the uh, why mascots are are not so great. What's what's wrong with mascots?
0: So, um, there's been a lot of research about the impact and harms of uh, stereotypes in both educational and workplace contexts, and uh, mascots are one that we've actually. Researched um, as representations of stereotypes, I'm sure um, Dr. Smith will talk uh, more about this as well. But uh, the, the evidence, in terms of it harming children in our educational system, is um, one of the most proven elements uh, of mascots. And, and I think one of the for the general public, one of the biggest uh, hurdles in sort of understanding this and understanding the harm created by them is that even stereotypes uh that are seemingly positive have these uh negative uh impacts on children especially native children in educational uh contexts and and that's uh I know there's a lot of attachment and emotional attachment that different groups of people have to 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 mascots and um I think that is where the uh, a lot of us who are active and engaging this Subject matter were really um, got mobilized when once the research, starting in the late '90s, early 2000s, really started to come out that um, this was just creating uh, so much psychological uh, and performance harm on our native children when they were exposed to them in their educational context. And I think uh, there are obviously the the forms of activism that that Molly and and, and others have been engaged in. Um, you also have to, of course, reach people in their humanity, and, and the way that we are try to understand people's experience. But um, I really think, you know, and this led to both the NCAA and the American Psychological Association this research to basically put a you know bans on them. Um, and I'm uh, and and that advanced the political. Parts of this were in in school context, just because we know so much about it and the harm created um, by stereotypes, and that's what mascots are: is stereotypical views of us as Native people.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> now, Doctor Smith, um, i noticed in in your uh, your background, you've done some research on uh, stereotyping of American Indians, um, and uh, the assessment of uh, the effect on Native children. Uh, can you speak to that a bit?
1: Yeah. Um, I, um, this area is really, as as you mentioned, Donna, it keeps coming up, and then people sort of zone out on it. It's like, oh, yeah, we've already talked about this, and we've done this, you know, let's move on. And I, I myself in my own work have found sometimes I think, oh, stereotypes, it's like the least of Native problems. You know, we have so many other issues to deal with. Um, But then I come back to the realization that this is how fundamentally Native people are viewed and how, unfortunately, Native people often view themselves. And so when we talk about stereotyping, it's been documented that Native people are the most stereotyped people of any group. And it's not a, a one stereotype that harms people. It's the repeated uh, exposure to only that stereotype. And so a lot of non-Native people only see Native people in that stereotypical view. That's, you know, and and as I said, I think it impacts how Native people view themselves as well, because I have had throughout my many years of of doing presentations and talking with people and working with students, a number of people who will say, well, I really don't look very Native. And this is from a range of people from blood quantums of full blood to one-sixteenth. It's people who have dark skin, light skin, every kind of combination of people who themselves say, I don't think I look Native. And so you really are getting at a really core issue of identity. What does it mean to be Native? You know, when all you see out there are these stereotypical images of probably maybe what one group of Native people in the 1800s looked like, and and we're constantly being compared to that image. So it's pretty confusing. What does that mean then? You know, and and people will sometimes jokingly ask me, you know, where's your horse, or do you live in a teepee? And 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 more seriously, people have come up to me and explained to me. Why I can't be native, because somebody said I have freckles i I don't know that I have freckles, but nonetheless, I didn't know that was a something Indians can't have um certainly my eye color because it's not they're not dark brown, I can't be native, and you know again, I kind of joke about it because it is pretty weird, but it is weird, and <laughs> that's kind of the point you know that somehow external individuals fe- feel they can openly comment on my appearance and to me that goes back to this whole thing of stereotyping and as Darren pointed out you know the mascots come out of that whole that whole genre of stereotyping you know we don't have um you know when we have a mascot of an indian it's usually of a of a warrior I mean that's obviously sort of the the um the comparison that's the one thing that you know people uh sort of address. So um you know I think I think we have to really think about what does that mean then? You know that dehumanization of stereotyping which is fundamentally is a problem. Um so if you think about in warfare we always dehumanize the enemy and we're all familiar with some of those images of what Nazi Germany how they depicted the Jews in order to dehumanize them that dehumanization is the fundamental underpinnings of stereotyping um, so again this is this is parts of what creates a lot of these problems
0: still yeah I, and I just to follow on uh, what Doctor Smith was talking about, the um, the harms created by stereotypes is also uh, deeply contextual. So um, when we look at the psychological studies and the harms created by stereotypes in workplace and, and educational contexts, you know, um, as native people, we tend to be harmed the most because of the context within which uh, we live, where there are almost no representations of us as like living. People in the contemporary sense, in media um, across television movies, we have almost virtually n- no representations of actual native people living today as full human beings so um it is really deeply contextual and is a reflection um that the harm the, the harms created by these stereotypes are very much uh, a part of uh, the broader culture so the the, the context matters uh, in in all of these situations
3: yes
2: uh ambassador uh. Dana,
3: yeah, I think it's important to. Um, I'm glad that Dr. Smith pointed out that a lot of the times we hear, well, we have bigger problems. You know, we're facing, you know, epic rates of suicide and drug abuse and addiction and uh, diseases. And I think when we talk about stereotypes and these mascots, it it does dehumanize and it it means that people carry a certain attitude about. Native people and that translates into behavior I think and treatment so it's it's bigger than just you know well I think you're savage or I think you're you know Disney Pocahontas or I think you're this in my head it's how we're being treated based on these stereotypes and a lot of times in the activism work around mascots even from our own people we say well don't we have bigger things to worry about and it's all part of the puzzle and I think We're getting at some of the real root causes of our generational trauma that we're all living with and that we may be treating, you know, that sadness with drugs, with alcohol, with, you know, some of these other things that we're facing. And the stereotypes and the mascots send a clear message to us that we still don't matter as much as other races and we still somehow deserve this low place where other people can dictate who we are and what we should look like and what we should sound like and do and how we should live. So I'm glad that we touched on that point about, you know, that there are bigger problems. And I I do think that the research that Dr. Ranko pointed out that's been done is so important because a lot of this is by you know they're not tribal groups they're boards of professionals that you know work with these you know this data every day and, and have seen so many cases so this isn't something that we're making up and it isn't us being sensitive this is documented it is harmful behavior so.
2: yeah i do want to mention the the fact that the um, national congress of american indians came out with a quite a lengthy statement on the harmful effects of uh, mascots and uh i just read a, a little bit of what they say, and they, they say, um, when exposed to these images, the self-esteem of Native youth is harmfully impacted. Their self-confidence erodes, and their sense of identity is severely damaged. Specifically, these stereotypes affect how Native youth view the world and their place in society, while also affecting how society views Native people. Um... Any comment?
1: I I just would like to point out, my my daughter went to a school um, where they were not called the Indians. We were living in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and there's two high schools, and one is Oshkosh North, where my daughter went to school. The other school was Oshkosh West where they had the Indians. And, of course, there's that crosstown rivalry. And I remember walking through the high school and on the lockers at Oshkosh North were signs that said, Kill the Indians. Now, again, you know, people would say, Oh, my God, you know, political correctness gone awry. What's the matter with you? It's just a joke. Obviously, we didn't mean your daughter. But think about that for just a minute. You walk into a school that says, has on the lockers, kill your people. You know, I mean, again, this is just a little example. and But if you really think about what that message is, it's pretty powerful.
0: Yeah, yeah and I think um, NCAA, I <clears throat> their statement is definitely reflecting the research. I mean, the way that we um, measure the impacts of these things is um, – we look at uh, a number of factors. Some of them is just about performance. Um, so we look at, in a context that Native people have these hev- heavily stereotyped images around them. We look at performance. So performance goes down in the, when once people are primed and are given these very stereoty- stereoty- stereotypical views of of um, their identity. Uh, we also look at. Uh, the harms to self-esteem, and that was pretty pretty explicit uh, in the NCAI statement that you read, as well as community worth, and those are measured with, you know, um, basically asking people once they've been kind of exposed repeatedly uh, to these stereotypical images about how they feel about themselves as a Native person and also how they feel about themselves as a member of a Native community. And so we can really – this is, again – Uh, The evidence on this has been repeated and repeated and repeated and repeated so many times that we're, you know, the confidence level has led to these, you know, very definitive statements. And then the last part, and and they hint at this as well, is another way that we measure this is about um, possible future selves. Um, And that's where it's particularly harming to Native youth where – you know were, we're they're in educational context uh, uh, um, trying to work on and build themselves into a future self, see themselves as having a possible future as a doctor, lawyer, uh, educator, whatever um, and once they're exposed in these particular contexts the harm to uh, the future self and again, I, I can't say this enough because it, this is um, what, what we get uh, a lot is that, well, but if it's a positive image, but our positive images are not modern, you know, po- even a positive lifestyles that are available to anyone uh, really. So I, I think that that's where the harms are particularly uh, uh, definitive for youth in, in, in educational context. And that's where, um, again, the, the idea that um, – the harms are are more. In fact, in middle high school, you know, the younger a, a child is, the, the more harm. Um, I mean, the NCAA uh, made a, a really uh, important statement in in you know two thousand four two thousand five and re- responding to the American Psychological Association uh, by basically banning all Indian mascots, um, and that's an educational context where yes, there is proof that it's harm. That there's harm created there, but there's even more harm and more proof in uh for around younger children and the harms created for them
3: yeah i do
2: want to uh, did you have something to say malianne
3: well i think um i was just kind of processing all this and i think on that note one of the most interesting arguments i've heard especially at of scowhegan they say well if we get rid of this mascot uh it erases your history you know, why don't we rename the town? Why don't we, you know, all this stuff, because there are, you know, influences of Native culture in the town and in the name and everything. So they can't even separate, you know, history from the fact that we're still here and that we're modern day people. And so I think that's been one of the most troubling, you know, things. And it it figures into what you were saying there so that, you know, they want to pretend that they're honoring us, but they can't acknowledge that we still exist.
2: I did want to mention, uh, Darren, you mentioned about the effect of future, the future self. Uh, And and in another statement from the uh, uh, National Congress of American Indians, they talk about the rate of American uh, youth suicide. Uh, It's uh, uh, highest for Native young people at 18%, which is twice the rate of the next highest, 8.4%, among non Hispanic white youth, suicide is particularly prevalent among young Native men who commit suicide at a rate that is up to five times higher than that of young Native women. So it's got a devastating effect. on.
1: I think sometimes it's hard for people to put together what do stereotypes have to do with suicide. And I think, you know, as Darren says, if you don't see yourself as part of society, if you are just relegated to the history somewhere in the ancient past, where do you fit in? What is your role? And I think as you look at governmental policies that have taken place throughout the last 200 years against American Indians, you begin to see how our traditional life ways have been stripped away, fundamentally leaving Native people with nothing. And, and you're constantly seen as sort of a historical anomaly, you know, and, and, and told in, in many times that you are not a part, either you're a part of history, an Indian, or you have a future without that sense of tribalism. And so it puts people in a nowhere land, you know. And when we talk about suicide and talk about suicide of our young, that is the ultimate in the elimination of Native people. And and so that, again, stresses the importance. And I, I think sometimes, again, it's hard to make that leap from stereotype to to suicide, but... You know, if you start to really put the whole piece together, it does, in a way, make sense, tragically. Right. Uh,
2: Now, Darren, earlier you mentioned that there were some um, statements from various organizations, and uh, I do have some here. One is the American Psychological Association, uh, which passed a resolution calling for the immediate retirement of American Indian mascots and imagery citing potential negative effects uh, it may have on the mental health and psychological behavior of American Indian people. So that fits right in, uh, uh, Dr. Smith, about what you were saying about, uh, you know, how people look at themselves and how we identify. Actually, we see ourselves in the past, you know, not, not here, not contemporary, Uh, And that kind of lends that. And then there's uh, the American Sociological Association, which called for the discontinued use of Native American nicknames, logos, and mascots in sports, stating that social science scholarship has demonstrated that the continued use of Native American nicknames, logos, and mascots in sport harm Native American people in psychological, educational, and social ways so, mullion when, <laughs> when you look at the Skowhegan uh, mascot or some of these other uh sports mascots, uh what kind of behavior do you see there for the the, the fans and
3: I think um my moment of waking up to all of this was when I was a teenager, and it was when I saw you know peers of mine dressed in fake feathers, fake war paint, you know, doing fake chants, you know, cheerleaders of teams are, um, you know, wearing dresses that are supposed to look like our, you know, leather dresses and stuff. And I think uh, it's at an age where it's kind of hard in the world anyway, you know, it's, you know, teenager, you're going through a lot. So to add that layer of seeing, you know, things that you consider sacred and things you were taught to respect and revere uh, growing up, just mocked and, and made fun of and, and like we talked about, even if they were, you know, put forth in a, in a positive light, you know, quote unquote, it's still stolen from you, I think. And that, that hurts at a, a a real level when you're at that age. So kind of coming up until now and seeing schools still doing things like this. And just, you know, we have made a lot of progress and a lot of these mascots have changed and a lot of the imagery have been taken away. But as long as you have these mascots there, it leaves the door open for things like, you know, the scalp towel that they use in Skowhegan. You know, that's obviously offensive and problematic. And, you know, the behavior in Wells High School, you know, with the, the student section wearing fake headdresses and stuff. So... You, when you have the names of the teams that 's already an issue, but when you open the door for this kind of behavior from the fans and supporters of the teams that 's where it can get really out of control, I think and harmful
2: yeah and you 're actually really looking at the uh, the educational systems themselves you know in in high school and how and the, you know the behavior that this kind of thing perpetrates. Uh,
1: I think you know they often say in the in the literature about stereotyping of American Indians, can you imagine any other ethnic or racial group being being a mascot and and having those kinds of horrible, offensive kinds of practices go on? I mean, we'd obviously scream racism immediately, and yet we seem to be hesitant or reluctant or downright unwilling to see it when it's American Indians.
2: I think the other thing too is it's 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 happened to us so often and for so long. Uh we've sort of like uh accepted it. And that I think that's in itself a danger, that we just can't not just sit back and say it's okay.
1: Well, we have, of course, uh, Washington Redskins, and every, you know, if you look in every dictionary, it says, Redskins, the definition is a disparaging term for American Indians. And so on our national, in our nation's capital, and on the national scene, that name continues to be utilized and... And I think it really speaks to that, how we've become so adjusted to it that it's sort of seen as normal.
2: The other piece, too, is, is it has something to do with the bottom line, the economy. And uh, that seems to be sort of prevalent in everything to do with Native people right from the beginning, from their, from their resources of the land, taking of the land, and now that you know the images that it's all used to profit, for profit. Uh, And lastly, I do want to mention what the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People have to say about this. Uh, The NAACP in 1999 uh, had a a resolution. And the resolution said, uh, be it further resolved that the National uh, Association for the Advancement of Colored People call upon all professional sports teams and public-private schools and universities currently using such names and images to reject the use of Native Americans and all historically oppressed people and their cultural traditions as sports mascots and symbols and affirm their commitment to respect racial and cultural inclusion in all aspects of their institutions." So um, that being said, we've covered the, the, the mascots uh, a little bit here in reference to the, uh, the gaming situation. But we also in Maine most recently have had a situation develop uh, in Wells where the, uh, in a football game the, uh, the opposing team from uh, Lisbon High School uh, had a, uh, has a Mi'kmaq quarterback and the fans at wells were not very uh uh, i would say respective or whatever but we do have uh amelia tuplin on the line uh and uh, amelia is the mother of the micmac uh quarterback that played for uh lisbon high school uh amelia are you there Okay, you sound like you're ready to go.
4: I am. How are you this morning?
2: I'm good. Uh, So, can you tell us uh, what happened at this game?
4: Uh, Basically, we went down to Wells for your typical Friday night smash mouth football. And uh, we had never played Wells before. There was some reclassification um, that year. So, uh, I got down there and... uh, I guess it all started with uh, their mascot. Um, it was lit up on a projector on the side of the pool, um, and it showed clips of last year's game with kids with face paint and headdresses and hooting and hollering. Okay, it went on from there, and it continued all night. Fans, um, adults, and it, 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 it was offensive. I found it offensive. Um, I I didn't expect that when I went down to Wells Um, at that that level and at that magnitude. Um, It it wasn't done with any class, and um, I was really upset about it. And it continued all night in celebration. Um, And unfortunately, at the time, I felt it was directed towards my son. Um, But as the days went on after, I realized this is something they've been doing on a large scale for a long time. And they're very proud of their mascot. Um, and so, and what is the mascot? Um, well, the mascot is a uh, or chief head, I guess, or a warrior head wearing a, a headdress. I'm not quite. Con- I'm not quite sure if this, you know they're the Welsh warrior, so it must be a warrior head um, wearing wearing a headdress.
2: So how did the uh, how did the fans respond? What what kind of actions uh, were they making?
4: Well, fans had face paint on, fashioned to moth Native face paint, done distaste, distastefully. They were wearing headdresses. They were wearing you know feathers on their hair, in their hair, and on their head bands with feathers. Um, there was a lot of whooping and you know um, a distasteful mockery of like um you know nothing you'd hear in our in our native chanting but it was their um it was their way to make and it, it was over hand over mouth sounds uh and they celebrated every time um it, it, they just celebrated like that all night all night it wasn't a small group of people um and unfortunately it was downplayed um i was discredited it was downplayed. It was sound, made sound like it was out of school spirit. Um, at first there was some denial. Um, and then it, it, it so it, it's been an emotional journey since that night.
2: So you, you actually, um, uh, complained to the, uh, was it the principal, or the superintendent?
4: I actually wrote a, um, lengthy letter to the superintendent, um, indicating what had happened that night. Um, and how I, I, as a Mi'kmaq woman and a, and a mother and as a sport parent, felt that it was offensive and it crossed the line. I, I, I did say it was racist. And um, I addressed the superintendent uh, daily. And I told him that I hold him at the most highest level as an educator in that school department responsible for allowing those types of things to happen. Um, my son was made fun of, not only my son, who was a football player, but myself and my three other children who were there. Our culture is something that we, we take so so much pride in. You know, both of my parents are elders and pipe carriers and sun dancers, and I have a drum um, and eagle feathers. And just, and just to make a mockery of all of those things, I, I was appalled. Uh, I, I, was, I, 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 I felt like I was in the twilight zone. I, I wasn't quite sure what was going on.
2: Yeah, I understand, um, but, that, I understand that they were drumming, too. What were they yes, using they for were. drums?
4: Yes, they were. They were banging on five-gallon buckets. Now, those have been downplayed as well as saying that uh, they're simply noisemakers, uh, and they weren't used as a mock fashion to represent drumming. But let me tell you, the way they were drumming on them, they were. And, you know, it all goes hand-in-hand hand with, you know, the way they were behaving and, and dressing in and that type of, you could say costume, I guess. Um, it just went hand in hand. And th- it was downplayed. It was downplayed, saying that they were simply noisemakers and their face paint was simply uh, out of school spirit, school colors. Um, yeah, and, I, and
2: um, there's a, uh, an article, newspaper article, uh, the, uh, the Portland Press, that says that uh, Superintendent Daly absolved fans and players of intentionally engaging in offensive behavior. After an investigation that included several interviews and review of video surveillance game film and photographs taken during the game. So evidently, he he reviewed this uh, material, very,
4: very quickly. Yeah. Um, his, his investigation um, took less than two days. It was biased. Uh, he never contacted me in his investigation. The complaint, you know, I, I made the complaint. He never contacted my son. He never contacted anybody from Lisbon. It was simply a one-sided bias investigation. And let me tell you, on their Wells Facebook fan page, there were several photos of people dressed up that night. And they disappeared very quickly, very quickly, within hours of my complaint. Um... So I think his I I honestly believe his investigation wasn't thorough at all, and I don't think my son was treated fair. And that's that's at another level that I don't feel like my son was treated equally in this investigation. And if it was a complaint from an African American child or the LGBT community, I feel like it may have been investigated more thoroughly, and something may have been done. I simply got brushed under the rug and made to sound like you know. Um, I'm overreacting. We're doing this out of school spirit. Can I? I sure.
1: just want to um, point out to other listeners about the fact that all of those things that she's talking about—the the feathers, the eagle feathers, the face painting, the singing—all of those things are very s- sacred, spiritual aspects of Native spirituality, and so I think it's important for non-native people who are, haven't been exposed to it to understand the sacredness of those objects so that when maybe perhaps the superintendent is unaware of that sacredness because I think um, you know, sometimes people are just ignorant of that and and see it as school spirit, not recognizing that it's in essence taking a rosary or some sort of other sacred, object that people in other religions hold in that in that esteem um to be used in a mocking manner. Yeah. It, you...
0: it, I think it's um, it, you know we, we we see this it's it's unfortunate that an educator um, would take the position a defensive position basically around intent. Um, as uh, a way of solving or addressing a, um, a potentially harmful situation to children, we we don't we don't say, oh well, I'm not so sure about the evidence around secondhand smoke. Um, it's not the intent of a smoker to cause cancer in a child um, by blowing smoke in their face, so therefore they're off the hook. We just don't. We don't think about children in that uh, way in any other kind of context except when it comes to us as Native people, the harm created on us um, because of these situations. It it really is just – uh, it's it's beyond upsetting that someone who is a, an educational leader in a community would take um, the intentional the intentionality as an out towards um, a very harmful situation.
1: And to be able to use that as a learning situation as well, you know, to say to bring your yourself and your son in to say, okay, explain to us why this is offensive. I mean, it would have been a wonderful educational opportunity at that point.
3: Yeah, I can give a little update here. Um, I wrote a piece, uh, I wrote an op-ed for Portland Press-Herald. I've been in contact with Amelia, and she's, Um, I need to really commend you, Amelia. You've done a very great job at this, you know, being an advocate for your son and yourself and, and our people. You know, these are times when... It's tough to speak up on a lot of these things, I think, you know, in this political climate. So you're doing such a good job. But I was able to, um, I sent the piece that I wrote to the superintendent and the athletic director of Wells High School. So he reached out to me pretty much immediately and asked for a meeting. So I traveled to Wells. And I I met with him and the athletic director, and we talked about their investigation, and I looked right at them, and I said, I saw a headdress just in the news footage, (laughs) you know, on that tiny clip of people that you're choosing to look at. I said, and I think you saw it, too. So they they were pretty responsive, actually. Well, the superintendent was. So he is forming a committee. And he is open to a a panel of sorts of tribal people to come down and meet with this committee. And, you know, after meeting with me, he's kind of motivated. I I told him about, you know, a lot of the research that how this really harms the educational environment for kids and how it absolutely singled out um, Amelia's son, you know, as a native on the other team. So he he knows that it's not going away. That's for sure.
2: Amelia, I understand that uh, in this article, uh, at least, it says that you were going to uh, file a complaint with the Maine Human Rights Commission. Are you in the process of doing that?
4: Um, I'm looking into it. Um, I'm speaking with um, some people now and developing, um, I guess, a response to um, Mr. Daly. I haven't responded to him as of yet um i am working with the american civil liberties union of maine um i have a meeting with them next week and uh, we're going to take it from there well i understand
2: you have what 10 days
4: actually no um no. you have uh, close to a year did I 270 say 10 days? days to file a complaint
2: okay uh, i must have been wrong on that one
4: okay oh, that's, that, yeah that's that's what i've been informed um so at this point, uh, we're just doing a little bit of research and, um, you know, we're going to meet next week and, uh, take it from
2: there. Okay. Well, um, we thank you for, for talking to us about this and, uh, you know, understand that you're not in this by yourself and we're here to support you. And, uh, Ambassador Dana will certainly <laughs> be down there in the front lines with you, um, uh,
4: And I appreciate that, Uh, you know, to be honest with you, going into this, um, it was a long ride home that night, and I did a lot of thinking and a lot of crying, and I I allowed myself a couple days to kind of let it process before I sent that email, and then so many emotions came along with it in the days following, you know, you question yourself, should I have done this? You know, I put myself on a platform where I could be attacked. Um. And my, my skin got thicker as the days went on, and I got stronger as the days went on. It was emotionally just uh, uh, unbelievable. Um, it was just emotionally wrecking. At every, every every ounce of my body, my being, my spirit was just torn apart about this. Um, the negative response outweighed the good response, unfortunately. But as the days went on, I got stronger, and I don't feel alone anymore because I had no idea the support I was going to get nationwide, even in Canada. Wow! So, I, yeah, <laughs> That's great. I, I, I'm amazed, and I'm just—I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy. Yeah.
2: Well, again, thank you for calling calling in, and we really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, we'll be uh, keeping updated and well, with we'll your progress.
4: And we'll all in and have a good day.
2: All righty, thank you very much. Uh, this is WERU Wabanaki Windows. I'm your host, Donna Loring and uh we had just been uh, talking with uh, Amelia Tuplin, who is a Mi'kmaq, and uh, her son's a quarterback uh for uh, for the uh Lisbon High School and uh that situation down there uh that uh, with the with the mascot issue and how uh, horribly that uh, the fans tr- were were uh, were treating them um so
0: Donna, in just response to her um her call, it it strikes me and, and uh and Molly and is is um has become very expert at this in terms of emotional keeping our I, I think we're we're um we're so used to being called like overreactive or overly emotional when it comes to some of these topics. Um and obviously as a scholar I try to sublimate all my emotions around it uh through these studies that I keep citing. Um but you know, it it's an unequal uh kind of distribution around who, who can who is allowed to feel uh hurt or attachment to things. So I, I I'm always struck and, and I've seen this in Skowhegan, which I'm sure Molly and will we'll talk about. Um you know, their their biggest defense is that they have a really strong, deep historical and emotional attachment to a to a mascot. Um whereas uh our emotional responses are not viewed as relevant and are pretty much ridiculed in any context where we have that emotional context. That's why I think um, uh, it's this is just this unequal distribution and then becomes about whose feelings around something or whose emotions are legitimate or not. Um, but I, uh, as, as much as I kind of want to dispel all that through um, the studies that show the harm, I think... Um, emotions are the uh, are part of the glue and part of the ways in which we can create um, mutual understanding in in these situations and and that's where I think Molly in uh, in her work has has done that um, so effectively and and um, uh, Donna you as well before that with um, place names and a whole series of other things that you worked on um, while you were in the legislature.
2: I want to correct that
0: place. That was yeah, Donald Sarkoma's bill. Uh, but the, 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 But we did well, both yeah, work on it, yeah, uh,
2: and it, yeah. that was a very difficult bill to pass. But anyway, yeah. let's move on. And uh, a few days after this Wells incident, there was something else that happened uh, that raised its ugly head in Skowhegan. Mullion tell us about that. <laughs>
3: um, so a couple weekends ago, I got a Facebook message from a friend of mine in Skowhegan, and it was a picture of this sign that the Skowhegan Chamber of Commerce had um, put together as a promotion for their local businesses. And the promotion was called Hunt the Indian, or Hunt for the Indian. And basically they were going to pick 31 different local businesses for the month of December. Each business would uh, take a turn each day of hiding a figurine, which was a replica of their huge statue, which is obviously a, a big Indian, <laughs> as they like to call it. So they, they took the big Indian and made it into some little Indians, and then they were going to hide them in these businesses, and it was like a Facebook game. So, you know, patrons of the businesses could try to guess where the Indian was and hunt for it, and then they would get a discount at the business. So that was the promotion that got through the the Chamber of Commerce board and was made public So, obviously, a bunch of us shared this to Facebook and brought it to light, and there was a lot of pressure put on the chamber. And at first, they said, well, we didn't mean to offend anybody. We didn't realize it was offensive. It's just like Elf on the Shelf, but with an Indian. (laughs) So that was their kind of first tone deaf response. They kind of doubled down on, you know, the ignorance. So then after that, you know, people kept going to their page and giving negative reviews and just, you know, writing these big long things and calling them. So they ended up apologizing and canceling the promotion. And they actually opened it up to, you know, now they might want to take steps to talk about the high school mascot being the Indian, because obviously, you know, one has to do with the other and how they are, you know, seeing Indians as kind of statues and mascots and dolls and not people.
2: Yeah. And that phrase, you know, hunting the
1: Indian. In a place where there were were, um, bounties for Indian scalps, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, oh, my God. And then,
2: you know, for them not to even consider anything like, Mm -hmm. you know, they said, we never even thought about that. It just never entered our minds.
1: Uh, At least they didn't have 10 little Indians. Never seen.
2: Mm. <laughs> the, uh, then the, uh, the Skowhegan Chamber of Commerce, I guess, got so many complaints about that uh, that they just said that, uh, they said, never were we so wrong <laughs> in thinking that this latest promotion involving the Chamber of Skowhegan Indian statute would be a good idea. This event has been canceled.
1: Well, I guess that speaks to your that things are getting better. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least that did get heard. I guess mm-hmm. is,
2: but is, it was it was so close. The I fact know, that it was so close to the Wells incident, I know. And then they, they, you know, it's kind of like you think of uh, white privilege.
1: Mm-hmm. You know
2: mm-hmm. that they don't have to think about things like this. Exactly. It never enters their mind or their thoughts.
0: I find it interesting that the defense of, again, uh, intent um, is a a reveal. I mean, you can't possibly see someone as a human being. Mm -hmm. You just can't and and have zero harmful intent. Mm -hmm. And I believe them. I I believe that there was zero harmful intent. Mm -hmm. The problem is what that reveals about them is that Mm -hmm. they do not see Indians as people, right? That they see them. In some other way, where it would be okay to have something like hunt to commercialize in front of them, the, yeah, yeah, and to,
1: yeah, and, and that it's historic. Yeah, the oh, Indian, yeah. you know, the Indian is that big guy. That's that big statue. That's the Indian, mm-hmm. and that represents everybody. Right. Oh, so what are they going to do
2: about this, Mullion? The
3: so I've reached out to the Chamber of Commerce, and um, they're interested in having a public forum. Again, we've been around and around in Skowhegan. You know, we've had a public forum before, but they wouldn't allow anybody to speak that wasn't from the district. So they're, you know, they've kind of gone about it through the school system in a way that has kind of slanted towards keeping the mask up, I believe. So this coming from the Chamber of Commerce, you know, their leadership on this might – you know, yield a, a better result. You know, they're interested in having tribal people come over and speak at this forum and talk with the residents of the town. And there are a lot of people in Skowhegan that would like the mascot to change, and they're embarrassed by this, and they don't like it, and they want you know a better reputation for their town. So there, there is a lot of support there, and it could be really good timing. And I think is as, as blatantly offensive and racist and kind of in your face that this hunt the Indian thing is. I think it could be a really good opportunity because you can't deny that it's wrong. Nobody can argue and say, well, maybe they meant, you know, that it's not that bad, or maybe they're honoring you, <laughs> you know, like saying you're going to hunt somebody. Can't be interpreted any way but bad. Thank God for
1: for for you and your enthusiasm. It just seems to me like 20 years ago, I think I was traveling around to school districts mm-hmm. and talking about why this is problematic. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's still an issue. Mm-hmm. It, it is, but I think that uh,
2: what work like people like you and, and other people have done in the past 20 years have sort of put a dent in the door. And and, and now we're just finally getting the uh, an opening here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren, it looks like you're thinking there
0: always thinking i'm still it's uh i gotta say that the hunt the indian was um it caught me off guard uh it it caught me uh emotional there's a lot of swearing that weekend in my household about where we were at and where we might be going i think i molly and lots of people we did as much as we could digitally, and, and uh, thanks to a lot of other folks who um, have very thoughtful uh, responses, and um, uh, the the Chamber of Commerce uh, listened, which I think is a, a good sign. Um, I think uh, change, uh, education, and change, and in the investments that people have um, in these things that you know, are clearly dehumanizing us um, as Native people. Uh, I know that's a difficult process for them, you know, in a way, like the change is, is difficult. And mm-hmm. I guess, you know, I wor- I'm i working through in my own mind some form of compassion towards the fact that it could be mm-hmm. difficult for them to change their assumptions. I, it, I just, um, it definitely feels, you know, And Dr. Smith has um, worked on these issues um, for longer and more deeply than I have um, in in the ways in which, you know, education is this slow process. It it just – it definitely feels um, all the time like a heavy lift, just basically trying to say, oh, we're human beings too. Like uh, how long does that – as an educational process, how long does that take? Is that generational? Is that – You know, I think this political moment is an interesting one because I think, um, we are in a moment where politically it is sort of, um, you see this online, like online culture and politically that it is is kind of cool or, or, or fun to kind of tweak people, you know, to, to dehumanize them in a way that is sort of fun for people online. I think that's probably a fair way to say, say it, um, but, uh, you, you know, some of that is revealing as well, and I think it shows the the, the ways in which we can revisit issues that might not otherwise be um, part of an open public uh, discussion. And, and I think um, I'm hopeful. Uh, what's hopeful about this isn't that they had no idea. That's not very hopeful uh, or that their intent wasn't to do something bad, um, but that there is now a discussion, and um, I have full faith in people like Moion and others um, our caller, who are thoughtfully and um, with compassion um, you know saying something in the in the public uh, sphere that that needs to be said and understood yeah
2: and uh, there in this article um that uh, I think it was the um, portland press put out uh they say that the uh, that chief kirk francis sent uh oh okay chief kirk francis sent a, an email uh to the morning sentinel on that monday following monday that while uh, he commends the chamber for its quick realization that this was a bad idea he also believes that it shows that we need to be conscious of these things up front and not have effects of them uh, be an afterthought. He said, I I think this uh, just shows how far away we are in terms of understanding some people uh, have on not only the history of Native people in this state, but also that we are very much present and functioning here today. So I think that was a pretty good uh, email Mm -hmm. that, that Kirk sent out. Um, so we have a couple more minutes. And uh, if there's anything, I'll give you guys a couple minutes apiece to say anything you want in closing. You can take up the full two minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Molly, and I'm always interested in how you affect change. I I, I, I got to say that uh, when I do the – when I mention the study, I mean, there's a confirmation bias kind of thing that goes on where I will mention – the scientific findings of mm-hmm. harm, and that almost makes it even harder for me to affect. Uh, Educate, you know, like because mm-hmm. I'm not their professor. Maybe that's I'm just used to my <laughs> students being like, "Oh well, Doctor Reich, who grades me <laughs> says this." <laughs> um, but I think maybe if you could just talk a little bit about that, it's it is about the humanity of things that I'm always interested in.
3: Yeah, it is. Uh, I I've kind of come a long way with that. Um, I, I guess I used to be kind of quicker, you know, to say like angry things and just like, of course, this is racist. What's your problem? You know, so I kind of I've matured, I think, and, and become a little more diplomatic because that's how you're going to get to people. Um, when we did the panel at Skowhegan that you were on and myself and a bunch of other people there, they had organized a group to keep the mascot and they had put a student at the head of that group. And after that panel or after the the meeting, after that he came out publicly and said that he had changed his mind, and he said, as a Christian, I've been taught humanity, and I've been taught, you know, to, to love people and see people as equals. He said, and I looked at the Native people and saw pain in their eyes and thought we should change this. So I think, you know, it gets to, I, a lot of times I'll, I'll bring up things that my children have said, you know, oh, mama, do they think we're animals? You know, why are they doing that? So And, you know, a lot of people are parents and have children, and they can relate to, you know, how do you explain these things to your children? You know, how do you explain that? people talk about hunting your race you know that that's a conversation I think a lot of us had with our families and children and stuff so I think you know we all share certain things you know we all we all want to feel that pride we all want to feel strong in our roots and our identity and I had a man come over to me in Skowhegan and say I'm just as Indian as you are and Skowhegan is my tribe and that's when I thought well this goes deeper than we even realize you know so I think you know, stressing the point that you're still going to have your pride, you're still going to have your traditions, and now you can really celebrate each other in a way where you're not harming anyone else. And some people are going to get that, and some people just aren't. <laughs> so that's right. kind of the, you know, mm-hmm. where we're at. Yeah, Dr. Smith.
1: Um, I, I'm I'm struck by um, the hope I feel with Molly and 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 Amelia and people taking on that. That the the banner and carrying it forward, I think it's it's so important. And and um, you know, I keep thinking, Donna, about your bill for Wabanaki studies. Um, how important that continues to be, and how we have so much work to do. But it is a, a feeling of hope that mm-hmm. things are maybe getting a little bit better, and that um, and and that that does. Um, that does help a bit. Um, I think we do have a long battle, and I think, um, you know, this continues to go on and on and on, but um, I think there are a lot of good people doing good things, and um, so I'm, I'm glad by that.
2: Okay, well, thank you. Um, thank you for joining us today. Um, I'm your host, Donna Loring. You've been listening to Abenaki Windows. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Darren Ranko, Dr. Maureen Smith and Penobscot Nation Ambassador Molly and Dana. The music for our show is by Rolf Richter, a track called Little Eagles, uh, from his CD DreamWork. Our engineer for the show is Amy Brown. Please join us next month for another Webinaki Windows.